Hello, everyone. Welcome to What is Covenant? Specialized Pastoral Care Services, Christian Counseling Ministry with Carolyn Barnett and Dave Clay. You hear that? <laughs> it's Carolyn be God. Uh, Carolyn's feeling a bit under the weather. We should all pray for her. Uh, she's getting better. It's just that at this particular moment, as we run it on a pretty tight schedule, she's not able to be here to record uh, this episode. And uh, <laughs> thus, I'm going solo today. But that's okay. I'll give it my best shot. I'm sure I won't do as well as with Carolyn here. And I wouldn't even attempt to try to uh, act like she is or maybe even think the way she thinks. So you'll just have to indulge, uh, allow me to present what I typically think. Uh, that would be the great indulgence, that it's all going to be one-sided. So there is this thing called self. Uh, where does self come from? Uh, certainly the Bible intimates that God knew us even so in personal dimension, uh, before we were even capable of knowing ourselves. And, should I also add to that, before even our parents got a chance to meet us. God knew us. God created us. God, I want to make sure that it's not just past tense, knows us. <laughs> but we have to discover and some of that, of course, is is as much then through experience. It's filtered through the experiential, the material dimension of life and living. But at some point, there comes forth or forward not only the eternal soul, the immortal soul, as is there always, from the beginning, but as he would choose to have distributed it into us, given that into or unto us or into as through the human dimension, uh, we begin to take on a persona. It's called self. It's identity. Your parents begin to contribute or contribute in the beginning as much as you can or would be capable of. And then at some point, they do all they can, and you take over. <laughs> and they give you what they think you are, what they think you should be, and then at some point, you have to take over and become it yourself. <laughs> or at least be true to yourself. Even that sounds counterintuitive, paradoxical, right? Doesn't seem like it makes sense. Maybe that's the whole point of the scripture, though, is that that's a, a difficult reconciliation to make. Um, what is it that God's called me to? What is it that he knew before I even knew? What is it that he deposited in me, put in me before I was even aware and then entrusted to my parents to add their portion or bit to it, uh, the interpretation thereof, and with that then gave it to me solely and singularly, or I took it from them, my parents, even so God, when I came to an awareness of who I am and had some say about what I wanted to be, and then discovered maybe I don't have it, Right, Or if I have it right, maybe my way that seems right may not in the end work out. And I have to learn to give that over to God. Not dismissive of anything that might be in mortal terms. Mortal soul, our humanity, our personality, the material but making sure that it's always reconciled unto the eternal and the immortal. And with that particularly, that which is God, that which is Jesus, that which is the Holy Spirit. That does sound like the Bible message. And should I then come to an awareness of the need for such, then I come to Jesus and I accept him as my Lord and Savior 
I have to make a decision. Hopefully it will be to the acceptance of Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And with that then, we do the journey together. (laughs) I constantly am looking to God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit and the Word and the living Word to guide and lead me. Thus, it's the salvation of self, as it would be then rooted in, reestablished in. Maybe it's not even reestablished. It is reestablished. It is always rooted. But it's my recognition, that's what I want to capture, that it's not mine. It's really God's. And with that, I keep giving it back to him and giving it back to him and giving it back to him so that I might get it again right or be righteous before him. But as much as, again, all that might make sense as I've declared it, (laughs) tried to be concise with the presentation, pithy, there's a lot more to it than simply that, but that's within the time constraints that we have, that's the best I could do. But if I've done that well enough, then self can be, at times, a nemesis. It could get in our way. And with that then, especially, as we might not understand where all of the true right comes from, or in righteousness, we could understand how with purpose and meaning and direction God has created us for an end. Jeremiah tells us that, a specific end in mind. There's a plan. If we get too much into self, or we stay too much into self, or we don't keep bringing it back to God, or we don't understand the basis of who we are, and what the purposes he's set before us, as far as life is concerned, and why he's even blessed us with this opportunity, I should call it, to live in material dimension. And many people don't see it quite that way, as opportunity, but it really is. It's part of the plan. It's our participation. Uh, It's not a curse. It's a blessing. Uh, It's just when we get, again, too much into that preoccupation with self. That's the nemesis. That's the negative part. That's the part that the devil, (laughs) only part that the devil can really have access to, but he will go there just as sure as you are you and I am me and Uh, try to manipulate that otherwise implicit sort of enmity, division, between my constructions and God's constructions, or my need to constantly reconcile mine, and with my parents' help, what I have come to call my identity, my persona. But when I get too far out there (laughs) into that area where, or maybe even before I come to such the full awareness of, of how the devil would use this against me or try to divide me from God in this way, uh, fortunately, I begin to realize all too quickly it doesn't work. Probably a good setup for the podcast today and thus a good transition, or at least transition point, for me to go to Scripture. So I'm going to go to Luke chapter 9, with all that in mind. Verse 37, And it came to pass that on the next day, when they were come down from the hill, much people met him. And behold, a man of the company cried out, saying, Master, I beseech thee, look upon my son, for he is mine only child. And lo, a spirit taketh him, and he suddenly crieth out, and it teareth him, that he foameth again, and bruising him, hardly departeth from him. And I besought thy disciples to cast him out, and they could not. And Jesus answering said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you and suffer you? Bring thy son hither. And as he was yet a coming, the devil threw him down and tear him. And Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit and healed the child and delivered him again to his father. 
And they were all amazed at the mighty power of God. But while they wondered everyone at all things which Jesus did, he said unto his disciples, Let these sayings sink down into your ears, for the Son of Man shall be delivered into the hands of men. But they understood not this saying, and it was hid from them that they perceived it not, and they feared to ask him of that saying. Then there arose reasoning among them, which of them should be greatest? And Jesus, perceiving the thought of their hearts, took a child and set him by him, or set him by him, and said unto them, Whosoever shall receive this child in my name receiveth me, and whosoever shall receive me receiveth him that sent me, for he that is least among you all, the same shall be great." And John answered and said, Master, we saw one casting out devils in thy name, and we forbade him, because he followeth not us, or not with us. And Jesus said unto him, Forbid him not, for he that is not against us is for us. And again, that was Luke 9, and I believe I started with verse 36. Now, what does this have to do with self? And I don't know that I've said it yet, but self-doubt, this passage in Luke is set between probably two of the most important passages, at least for us as Christians. They are sentinel to me, particularly as God has revealed unto me his purpose or calling for my life, and though I could get into too much of this sort of notion of identity and purpose and self-will and what I want and what I think I should be and what appeals even to me about these passages uh, that we're discussing on the podcast today. The more I get there, the more I set myself up for the enmity I spoke of a few moments ago. The more I go there, the more I start to rely on self or at least acknowledging self within some human dimension to the exclusion of bringing such a reconciliation with what God has called me to be. The mortal soul needs to be reconciled to immortality as in the Holy Spirit, as in Jesus Christ the more I set myself up for trouble. And that's exactly what this passage I just read, I believe, captures. Because if we go to the beginning of the chapter, Luke 9, Jesus has kind of bestowed, blessed, maybe another way of of saying it, commissioned, as would be in a very literal sort of context, his 12 disciples. Luke 9, verse 1. Then he called his twelve disciples together and gave them power and authority over all devils and to cure diseases. And he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. And he said unto them, Take nothing for your journey, neither staves, nor scrip, nor neither bread, neither money, neither have two coats apiece. And whatsoever house ye shall enter in, there abide, and thence depart. And whosoever will not receive you when you go out of that city, shake off the very dust from your feet for a testimony against them. And they departed and went through the towns, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. Now Herod the Tetrarch heard of all that was done by him, and he was perplexed because that it was said of some that John was risen from the dead, and of some that Elias had appeared, and of others that one of the old prophets was risen again. And Herod said, John, have I beheaded, but who is this of whom I hear such things? And he desired to see him. The commissioning, and that was Luke 9, 1 through 7. The commissioning of the disciples should be of of great interest to all of us as Christians. Even so, we've entered into Christ and the ministry. Even as, as much we are in receiving Jesus, as this might capture that declaration of faith, acceptance of Jesus as Lord and Savior on the disciples' part. They'd been with Jesus, they'd listened to all the things that he told them, uh, and continued need would be to continue to tell them. Uh, Why? Because of this reconciliation. It's this idea of self. 
This idea of self-doubt. This idea that somewhere along the way, all of this represents too much emphasis upon me. It's going to set me up to start to rely upon me. And if I rely too much upon me, get me away from the true ministry, the true calling which is a ministry, again, of reconciliation, so that I might bring all of the immortality that is God, not necessarily to humans, me being part of that, or humanity, but even so, that I might call our awareness to the fact it's already there. While we were yet in our mother's womb, he knew us. He was creating us, as Jeremiah again says, for a particular purpose and reason. Before your mom and your dad ever got to meet you. Before you got a chance to know you were you. God knew you knows you. (laughs) And he's called us all to a purpose and direction in the sense of fulfilling that purpose. Path, unique, maybe, (laughs) in the sense that it's coming from a personal dimension, individual dimension. But all of that's in material context. Yes, self is okay. Self is important. It does establish not only this idea of manifestation of relationship that we know we need with God. Why? Because we are individuals, because we are human, because we have this awareness, not only of God, but of us, and thus, as he's created us, this need for reconciliation. But the Great Commission was built upon, established in not only Jesus' picking or choosing, the disciples, which I'm not sure is so restricted to the individual. It's all of us. But would they receive it? Yes. Did they come to Jesus? Yes. Did they accept the word? Yes. No doubt. Uh, Herod <laughs> recognized that these folks, particularly Jesus himself, had received the word because he tried to kill the word or was put in a position, you could, I think, say both. Certainly, there's a bit of innocence with Herod because he was put in the position of having to choose between the world and all the things that were otherwise part of his power and authority as a tetrarch. And John, even, the Baptist, when Herodias requested the head of John on a platter. And what did Herod do? He gave it to her. (laughs) He had John beheaded. He tried to kill the words. But the words manifest again. And not only is the word manifest again, the word is not only manifest in material dimensions, but now it's taking on supernatural, spiritual dimensions because how does something that otherwise you've cut the head off of come back to life? It's resurrection. It's it's a realization that it's not a person. It's not the personage. It's not the self and the individual, even though Jesus declared there's none greater than John the Baptist in the kingdom of heaven. It wasn't John. And as Jesus was going to continue to prove or reprove, it's not even the personage that we know of as Jesus. Though he is God, was God, I want to say is God, he is no longer Jesus in a human dimension because they did the same thing to Jesus that they did to John. They crucified him. But you can't kill something that otherwise isn't even ours to make or create. It's ours to be reconciled unto, lest we perish. Because if we're not, again, established in the word, as John the Baptist presented it, if we're not established even more in the salvation that Jesus brings us, We're not going to make it in human dimension. The mortal soul, the mortality, the persona, the identity, the self, it's going to die. But the word doesn't die. And even so, if I'm rooted in the vine, if I'm one in Christ, 
Even as my mortal body passes away, my immortality is established not in the physical dimensions of flesh or persona or identification or identity or sense of self or self-awareness or even such then choice to do with such whatever I might see fit to do or try to wrestle with God for what my calling is in life. But why should I think it's strange that I wouldn't succeed except that I once again be reconciled? Luke 9 verse 1 is Jesus commissioning the disciples. He's taught them. He's shown them. <laughs> All these things have not come that I just got through saying. The full manifestation yet for them. But right before their very eyes it was. And he was telling them, you can do this. <laughs> this is what you're called to. Uh, again, he's done it much better than I, but I don't have the time to, to go through all of the passages. Or as Jesus spent time with them, he maybe didn't have to deliver it in such a condensed, as I used the word pithy, I believe earlier in the podcast, such a condensed fashion as we're left to and the constraints of the podcast or even our mortal existence. But he brought this same message to them and now he was saying, you can do this. And they were receiving it gladly. And with that as much, they went out and much happened beyond the commissioning. There was the feeding of the 5,000. There was also the coming to a realization, the great confession of who Jesus was and Peter saying the Christ of God. And then, interestingly enough, I should say this, I'm not going to read this passage from Scripture. I'm going to leave it to you to check it out. It's verse 21. But Jesus says, don't tell anybody. Because it must be that they come to, we come to, you come to, individually this recognition for the need of reconciliation or for the purposes of reconciliation are needing reconciliation. It wasn't something somebody could confer upon you. <laughs> and that's the point, right? Because even in the Great Commission, Jesus could confer it upon them. But at some point, they had to not only receive it intellectually, receive it in material dimension as with the psychology of it, the mind, the operations, the human operations of thought and reasoning and logic, but it had to become something that was acknowledged or at least established in heart terms. Which really, to me, means, as we were saying at the very beginning of the podcast, it's been there all along. They just didn't know it. Why? Because the enmity, because the formation of self, which is all psychological construct, had come to a point of needing reconciliation or it was going to continue to fight with <laughs> the true word, living word of God that was already in them, the purposes of God. But even so, the disciples had to come to it. And even so, as much as Peter came to it, this realization and awareness, and it represented, I believe, in that same sort of manner as we've been speaking of on the podcast today, the acceptance of Jesus in a salvation sort of way, it was reconciliation of the outward manifestation, the human dimension, with the heart dimension. And even so, Jesus was not going to be with them <laughs> until a second coming because that was what he was about to tell them. <laughs> I am going to read this. Verse 22, Luke 9, saying, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be slain and be raised the third day. 23, Luke 9. And he said to them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. 
For what is a man advantage if he gain the whole world and lose himself and be cast away? Peter had declared him the Christ after Jesus is asked. In verse 20, he said unto him, unto them, But whom say ye that I am? Peter answering said the Christ of God, and he straightly charged them and commanded them to tell no man that thing. And then saying the Son of Man must suffer many things. So, Jesus told them what was in them, what was capable, what was possible. He taught them enough, reestablished as with John the Baptist even. The foundational promises of God that he had given as with covenant to his creation, even Adam. Even so, Adam, through Abraham, through now Christ, prophets, even in between, as with the living example of the prophetic word coming to life and fruition, the power was beginning to manifest itself in human dimension, coming to the fullest culmination of such in Jesus. But it, it isn't even the man, Jesus, that we recognize <laughs> as much as the man, Jesus, was the Messiah. But if that's all we recognize, if that's all Peter, the disciples, had come to an awareness of, then we too would be seeing as through a glass darkly and maybe even on the wrong side of the salvation. The, the, the message of salvation, the moment of salvation. We'd still be seeing him as a, a great prophet. We'd still be seeing him as someone who otherwise was giving us a lot of really good words. A lot of good encouragement. Keep it up. You can do this. This is possible. But until you go out and do it yourself, until you really claim it in that heart sort of way, you might think you believe it. You might intellectually grasp it. You might logically discern it. But you're not going to discern it in this way. We just got through reading that Peter was the first to discern he's the Christ. Why? Because there was a power that was coming out of Peter. Even so, it was as with the Apostle Paul through a glass darkly. Nonetheless, I think Peter was starting to see a bit of it. Had caught a glimpse of it. And Jesus recognized that. But in that same sort of way, you're never going to convince somebody intellectually or confer upon somebody salvation. They have to come to it individually themselves in the same manner. But it will take then not only a discernment, a glimmer, enough of a belief <laughs> to declare, yeah, this is, this is really the Christ and they can work. But it still must be tested. And, as much as I read the passage earlier about the disciples, they weren't able to do it. The transfiguration was immediate to that passage. Jesus took Peter, James, and John on the mountaintop with him. Moses was there. Elias was there. They saw the brightness. They saw the transfiguration of Christ. They heard the declaration from God. Even so, Peter, <laughs> now James and John. And there came a voice out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved son, hear him. And when the voice was passed, Jesus was found alone. And they kept it close and told man in those days, no man in those days of any of those things which they had seen. Why? Because it was a testimony, but... It needed to be more than just Jesus there. It needed to be even without Jesus, the man there. It needed to be recognizably so, so that the seeking would not be just to the personage of Jesus, but to the heart, allowing Jesus in, claiming with reconcili reconciliation, with salvation. Just that. Our redemption, our salvation, declaring the immortality <laughs> that abides within us, manifesting that unto the world more so than the outward or the physical dimension. And unfortunately, as we get back to, and that was Luke 9, I don't know if I said this, 
uh, verse 35 through 36 and 36. It brings us back to Luke 9, 37, which I read earlier. And it came to pass that on the next day when they were come down from the hill, much people met him. And behold, a company, a man of the company cried out, Master, I beseech thee, look upon my son, for he is my only child. And most importantly, the disciples could not. And I besought thy disciples to cast him out, and they could not. So making sure (laughs) the message doesn't get lost, that I continue to present it in as appropriate as with making sure it's simple. Appropriately so, not making it more complex. Not encouraging or discouraging in any way, shape, or form the Word of God as He would speak to you in your heart, manifest It's not about you. (laughs) I can tell you it's not about you. I can point to where there's a difference between you and God and how there needs to be reconciliation as with the need for accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I can remind you that John the Baptist in the Old Testament pointed the same thing out. But I can also tell you what was the failing of the Old Testament in John the Baptist was that they could not, up until the advent of Jesus in human personage, they could not translate that into action. Why? Because there needed to be something to bridge the gap between great ideas, great philosophy, Uh, ethics, character, virtue, attribution, (laughs) knowing even what we should be and unfortunately, sadly, having to confess what we are in our humanity. Selfish. Self, 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 self. No matter how you try to package it, no matter how you try to make it look, no matter how you even are told you can do these great things. Even so, being commissioned, even so, being chosen of Jesus, as with that, then the testimony to manifest itself, Himself, the Holy Spirit. Once Jesus was, even as John beheaded, crucified, if you don't get this in your heart and you don't begin to look and seek, Jesus, not in material dimension, but in your heart, where he rightly abides once you've accepted him as Lord and Savior and you allowed him in, he points out, yeah, I've been there all along. The Holy Spirit's been there all along. You just need to allow yourself to really come into yourself. You need integrity between self as with mortality and then in that, the divine nature and character that is manifest Christ Jesus in physical terms. But more so, if there is virtue and character, it is the Holy Spirit. It's not the person. The person is saved, but it's Jesus. But it's not even Jesus the man It's Jesus as in the Holy Spirit residing in you where the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, even so, proceedeth forth. It doesn't come from the outside. It comes from within you. And when Jesus' disciples were incapable of casting out the demon, demons, the devil, so to speak, The unclean spirit. Jesus had to say, Oh, faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you and suffer you? Bring thy son hither. Jesus knew he couldn't be with them in material dimension. He knew because of the purposes of God, the plan of redemption, the plan of salvation, the way God had chosen or has chosen to do it, it needed to be something then 
identifiably so from within us. But it's never been missing. It's just that we've gotten lost in the weeds. Adam and Eve came to an awareness of self and got immediately lost in the weeds. Started to feel like they had to do it out of themselves. The disciples manifested the same thing. Though Jesus, though Peter declared unto Jesus, Jesus had told his disciples, even on the Mount of Transfiguration, shown Peter, James, and John. Nonetheless, even Peter was incapable at this point. And they were still amazed at the power of God. The passage continues, verse 43. And then that's when, again, as I read earlier, let these sayings sink down into your ears. For the Son of Man shall be delivered. And Jesus keeps telling them, I'm not going to be here all along, all this, along with you forever in material dimension. There will come a day, best way of saying it, when I'm going to leave. It's God's plan. But I leave so that you will identify the Holy Spirit. I leave the Comforter. And you will then draw your power and strength from Him. Not just the words. Not through just the knowledge, the understanding, the reasoning, the psychology of it. The human vessel. But that power needs to emanate from your heart. From within you. And where is the Holy Spirit? He's in your heart. The Holy Spirit is what brings forth life, even while you were in your mother's womb. God is the Holy Spirit, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Should you believe in the Trinity, which I do believe in the Trinity, which I do believe. He's been there all along. But you don't believe it. Why? Because there was that period of time between... When you were born and when you were capable of understanding the deceptions of the devil, the trickery. When you were needful to be told who you were and what you were, and that's okay. God empowered again. Gave your parents power in a material sort of dimension over material existence in this sort of way. But it will never save you. What saves you is reclaiming the power of God that is in you such that you don't lose your personage because once more there's purpose in that for our uniqueness or individuality. But it's only secondary and will then be temporal passing away because when Jesus comes a second time to claim his church, he will come in a resurrected body And none of this stuff will matter. (laughs) Because at that point, it should not be David. It should not be Peter. It should not be James, John, any of the other disciples. It should not be you. It should be Jesus as in Holy Spirit, as in resurrected body that is manifest. Will there be a need for personage? I'm not sure that I would say That is removed entirely. But I know that it won't be the same kind of self that I got now that is otherwise of human construction because I won't be human anymore. It'll be removed. And thus, when Jesus talks about then there arose a reasoning among them which of them should be greatest, he recognizes they're falling into the trap. They're still wanting to make it about themselves. They're still trying to think of it in self-terms. And he reminds them, you need to be like that child which has no sense of self, no sense of identity. Can you prevent that from happening? No, because there's an age of accountability and reasoning where we come to a point psychologically where, again, as I tried to explain earlier in the podcast, where you have to take on that identity or that identity in a self-material sort of dimension. It comes to you. There, there has to be purpose in it or God would not have created us to be this way. But I don't believe he created us to be this way without the knowledge that he was also going to supply even in the garden, the tree of life. The word to preserve us and hold us until such time that we recognize the need for reconciliation and then can allow in the Holy Spirit, in the testimony of Jesus, 
our own knowledge and understanding, bringing us to an awareness of our own personal need for salvation, but even so that the greatest of, of any of these, as with Jesus, what we could become in human dimension, these sort of ideals, these virtues in human dimension, would always be then secondary to what we're called to by God through the Holy Spirit in Christ Jesus. Even Jesus had to bring his flesh into submission throughout the Gospels. And so should we. So even so, taking up our cross and following after him, that becomes secondary to that age of accountability, reasoning. But if you receive him as a child, or if you could at least understand the concept that you're better without self than you are with self in the same way of accepting and reconciling, or at least even so for the appeal of your brain, your head. You need to get back to what you were before you thought you were, or thought you were something. And should someone come along and cast out devils in the name of Jesus? That's okay too. They may not be at that fullest point and John answered and said master we saw one casting out devils in the name and we forbade him because he followed not with us and Jesus said unto him forbid him not for he that is not against us is for us at least that person is beginning to realize if there's devils to be cast out it may be first in you get this right first in you And thus, as much as the commission would be there, as much as Jesus told you why you could do it, told you could do it, told you you could do it, showed you it could be done, when he has to, must, needs go, so that he might then come back a second time to reclaim or to claim the fullness of this work that he is performing or has finished, yet manifestation of, in material terms, yet to be completed, perfected, he can come back. And then we can be one with him in that heart sort of way. It doesn't matter then what the exterior is. It does not matter what the material manifestation is. Our identity now as we might even be forced to see it within material terms of self, gets lost in Jesus, which is good. It's the innocence of childhood. So between that and then proceeding, there is also then that Jesus set his face to go to Jerusalem, entered into the village of the Samaritans. They didn't receive him. And when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, wilt thou, wilt thou that we command fire to come down from heaven and consume them, as even as Elias did? But he turned and rebuked them and said, Ye know not what manner of spirit you are of, for the Son of Man is not come to destroy men's life, but to save them. And they went to another village. There's those that would come along would be disciples. Jesus continues to try to tell them, let the dead bury their dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. Verse 60. And Jesus said unto him, verse 62, no man having put his hand to the plow and looking back as fit for the kingdom of God. All of that leads to this place of not only the commissioning of the disciples but also us who has this ministry of reconciliation the 70 evangelists Luke 10 verse 1 after these things the Lord appointed another 70 also and sent them two by two before his face into every city and place 
whether he himself would come. Therefore said he unto them, The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. Go your ways. Behold, I send you forth as lambs among wolves. Carry neither purse nor script nor shoes, and salute no man by the way. Enter into whatsoever house ye enter. First say, Peace be to this house. And if the Son of Peace be there, your peace shall rest upon it. If not, it shall turn to you again, and in the same house remain where there's peace, eating and drinking such things as they give. For the laborer is worthy of his hire. Go not from house to house. And into whatsoever city you enter and they receive you, eat such things as are set before you. Heal the sick that are therein and say unto them, The kingdom of God has come nigh unto you. But into whatsoever city you enter, they shall receive, or they receive you not. Go your ways out into the streets of the same, and say, Even the dust of the city, your city, which cleaveth on us, we do wipe off against you, notwithstanding. Be sure of this, that the kingdom of God is come nigh unto you. And as much, when they returned, Luke 10, verse 17, And the seventy returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject to us through thy name. I'm not entirely sure that they were as much measuring that as much as before, even so the disciples, by what they were able to do for others, as it would be maybe the greater measure of the devils being subject was the fact that they were beginning to go out without Jesus. (laughs) The commissioning of the 70 was two by two. But it wasn't the same way that the disciples had Jesus there, or even so, as Jesus wasn't there, they failed. This resurrection, this redemption... Of God's prized possession, the human soul, as with the return or the resurrection of the power of the Holy Spirit, as then would begin to manifest Himself, proceed forth from the hearts of men. It was even more manifest in these evangelists that took Jesus with them. But not in physical dimensions. Not in the same way the disciples had him there. These were even greater. Does it mean the disciples were lesser? No. Does it mean that they're greater? Possibly. And that they came before. (laughs) But even so, as Jesus said, it's not about who's greatest in the kingdom of heaven. It's about whose name is written in the Lamb's book of life. It's not about self. In human regard, it's about the resurrection, the reclaiming of the Holy Spirit. It's about the manifestation of Christ, not in physical terms any longer, but in spiritual dimension. And in whatever form or shape that should take, right now still humanity, whatever the resurrected body will eventually look like, maybe there'll be some identifiable characteristics. I'm not as inclined to go that direction as I would be. The one thing that will identify us is the Holy Spirit who is alive within all things that live. But should I be bringing a message to you today? Self-doubt is really a sign that you're not quite established as much as we desire. In the power of the Holy Spirit, you're still trying to do this out of yourself. And it won't work unless you, at that point, recognize. Not that you need saving again, you just need sanctifying You need to continue daily to be reconciled under the word. What word? Not only the word that appeals to human sort of conceptualization, thought, psychology, emotions included. But the word that is the living word that is alive within you. That's where the true power resides. 
That's what will give us power to cast out devils, not in others so much. It will happen, but we're going to do that the same way Jesus cast them out. We're not going to do that by praying or raining fire down from bringing fire down from raining fire down from heaven as with Elijah. We're going to do it in the same way Jesus did. <laughs> by allowing the Holy Spirit You can't kill the Holy Spirit. Herod couldn't. The Sadducees, the Pharisees, Pontius Pilate, the Roman Empire, humanism can't kill it because it is, he is alive. But that's our distribution. We cast the devils out of not only others but ourselves. But it's not going to work unless you believe it such that when Jesus isn't in a material dimension there or when in a material dimension you're not raining fire down from heaven and winning in that sort of way as to cast out demons. It's possible Jesus did it in human dimension. I'm not taking away from miracles. I'm just saying, don't even allow the miracles then to be the testimony of the power of God in you. It is the Lamb's book of life, which is otherwise what God has already ordained from the very beginning, that we would be filled with the power of life, which is the Holy Spirit, or which is the Holy Spirit, and us in Him is then the power not only to cast out all doubt, which is of the devil. He's the father of lies, but his lies are that you don't have to worry about that. You can take care of all this on your own. But where does that lie come from? But the pit of the hell itself. Because it sets you up to then deny Christ. No, you can't do this of yourself, but good news, God never expected you to. It just is a reminder of your need to align yourself with the Word of God so that the living Word as manifests will be manifest in you. That's what we try to do in our counseling sessions, bring that reconciliation. So, that's the conclusion of the podcast. I hope Carolyn is doing better and feeling better. And my great belief is and confidence is she'll be back for the next podcast. In the meantime, though, I want to remind you, you're listening to What is Covenant, Specialized Pastoral Care Services, Christian Counseling Ministry with Carolyn Barnett and Dave Clay. And you can find us on Facebook, covenantsonline.com. You can call us at 304-528-9220. I want to wish you the greatest of blessings. And I, again, would love nothing more than to get a chance to meet again on our next edition of What is Covenant? Specialized Pastoral Care Services Christian Counseling Ministry. God bless.